0: Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. Kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. It's good to be with you all today. You know... We are, are kind of uh, in a big time here. If you're into football at all, which I am, you know, but the state of Florida like did pretty good. Three teams, all three teams made it to the playoffs. Some did better than others. Jacksonville did pretty good. Miami made a nice showing. Tampa, eh? But whatever. We'll we'll see what happens next year, right? You know. So. Uh, The point of that is uh, not so much about what happened with Florida football, but more to show you that I like sports. And an important part of me liking sports is uh, the fact that I I particularly like to watch and see uh, the dynamic that occurs when a team functions as like a cohesive unit rather than as just a a set of random talented people. Uh, It's pretty basic knowledge now, that uh, just because you get a group of really talented people together doesn't necessarily mean that they form a good team. It truly depends on the attitude of each of those people towards themselves and towards the team itself that really determines whether or not a team is going to be successful. It turns out that often uh, fame and the limelight of superstardom can cause a person to become uh, self-absorbed and focused on themselves, often to the detriment of the team who they are supposed to be a part of. I'm sure that you've got some ideas in your head of folks that have embodied this, the team lives to serve me and make me look good type of mentality typically they end up doing something stupid on national TV and then cause a great deal of harm to their teammates, to their fan base and then leave on a less than wonderful term. However, you know, when we look at f- teams that function at a high level, regardless of how talented some of their players might be, what you see is an attitude of servanthood. People like don't get it wrong here these are these are folks who are, are highly talented who are idolized by many who have more money than you and I will ever have and who don't really need to win in order to be successful in life but they are people who set aside all of that in order to create something special and that something special that they create is is a culture of mutual love of Equality and of service to one another. There's a a pretty famous football coach who is now a a TV analyst and an author and also a follower of Jesus by the name of Tony Dungy. You all know Tony Dungy? Some people do. Yeah. He lives over in Tampa now. I ran into him at a wedding once. That was kind of cool. But anyway, way back when, when he was the the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, He had a quarterback there whose name was Peyton Manning, pretty famous guy as well. He was an excellent Hall of Fame caliber player, but when the Colts uh, drafted a young receiver out of Ohio State, uh, Peyton Manning did something that was quite uncanny for someone of his fame, caliber, and stature. Peyton would get in his car and make the three-hour drive from Indianapolis, Indiana, to Columbus, Ohio, to go over the playbook with his new teammate and then spend time throwing the ball to him. He did this because his new teammate was still a senior in college and needed to finish out his studies, and Peyton didn't want him to miss out. Peyton didn't want him to be behind when he came to join the team. And he did this for months until his teammate could come and and join them, and and I mean, this is Peyton Manning. Like, I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame yet, but he's going to be someday. Like, and this guy probably had stuff to do, better things to do, was driving 12 hours a week just to go and study with a kid so that he would be prepared and be able to succeed when he joined the team. It wasn't in necessarily Peyton's best interest, but it was in the best interest of his new teammate and definitely in the best interest of his team. And this is the kind of action which is self-giving and selfless that is the core of how we have been called to live as followers of Jesus. You see, Jesus' followers were offered a a first-hand look at what it looks like to live a life of service— Even when he didn't need to. I mean, Jesus had all the power of God. And yet, he used that power in very unlikely ways. But still, you know, having witnessed all of this and kind of lived it, breathed it out, Jesus' followers still had to learn a thing or two about what it means to have a servant's heart. And so, uh, in the Gospel of Mark is recorded uh, an interesting uh, interaction between Jesus and some of his disciples. Now, Jesus' disciples ha- have just heard from Jesus himself for like the third time that uh, Jesus is going to go to the cross and, and what that really you know means for his ministry and for them in the future. And still not quite getting it all, uh, this is what happens. This comes from Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 35. It says James and John the sons of Zebedee they came forward to him and said to him teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you and he said to them well what is it that you want me to do for you and they said to him grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory and so we have like Jesus's two of Jesus's longest tenured disciples asking jesus essentially hey when when you come in your glory like we want to share in that we want to be we want to be right next to you we want to be as as highly regarded as you are when the kingdom comes and jesus is like well boys you have missed the point (laughs) <laughs> it's not about you and your glory. And so, so he responds by essentially saying, like, you don't know what you're asking me for because where I'm going, it's going to get really messy. You might remember what happened on Jesus' left and Jesus' right on the cross. But Mark details a bit more of the scene a few verses later, and this is kind of my favorite part. So it says, uh, this picks up in verse 41. It says, when the ten, you know, the other ten guys that followed Jesus around, when the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. Well, yeah, duh. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as the rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant." And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be a slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus' words really lead us into this week's spiritual discipline pretty well. We've been in this series called Brand New where we've been talking about different spiritual disciplines that we can practice in our lives here in 2023 to ignite our love for Jesus, to to stretch our love for our neighbors, and to transform our spiritual journeys. And and so today, uh, if you haven't picked up on it, we're obviously talking about the spiritual discipline of service. And it's important for us to to learn from both the words and the actions of Jesus on this topic because, well, he was the best that there ever was at it. He was the greatest of all time, if you will. And Jesus' philosophy on service and greatness is what we find here in his response to the disciples. You see, the disciples were like the rest of us. And even though they were in close proximity to Jesus, that didn't really stop them from having little power struggles amongst themselves. And I think we could all probably identify with this, right? Like, like we do this, don't we? Like, we do it from within our families, from within our workplaces and the cultures surrounding them, with, within, you know, our cities, our towns, local governments, within our churches, Certainly within superstructures of denominations, it's it's easy to want to be the person who steers the ship, whose influence is, is felt, whose influence is followed and, and heeded, right? But Jesus' response to this is like, hey, guys, that's not how the kingdom works. If you want to be great, you have to be a servant. And this is really quite the opposite of what conventional wisdom tells us about how the world works. But I think that if we look at, at reality, if we look at the people that are truly remembered with a fondness in our hearts, it's the people who gave. It, we remember the impact and the, the legacy uh, of people like Mother Teresa People like Princess Diana and others who gave sacrificially. And we remember them over the the lives of celebrities and superstar athletes who only care for themselves. And that's honestly because the act of service is something that we are created for and commanded to engage in. It's written into the very image of God which you and I all carry around. You see, when we serve, we are living into our God-given mandate on how we have been created to live. If you've listened to my preaching at at all for any length of time, you maybe have heard me say that God's original command to humans in the Garden of Eden was that they were to to work it and to till it as earth's humble caretaker. And those words in Hebrew can also be translated as serve and guard or serve and keep. And we serve and we guard this world when we give of ourselves in order to lean into and work towards the common good of all of God's people. Which I understand can be a kind of a politically charged statement in our current climate here in our country because it sounds pretty radical it sounds like some things we've been told to avoid but but check out uh jesus's words in matthew 25 as they really echo this sentiment this is matthew 25 uh verses 31 through 40 jesus says when the son of man he's talking about himself when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on the throne of his glory And the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. And then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. But then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And and when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and we visited you? The king will answer them. Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. You see, Jesus is pretty direct. If you serve those who are in need, then it is as if you are serving God Himself. Now, I'm not not going to read uh, what Jesus says next this morning, but the very next thing that Jesus talks about is the people on the left who didn't, and it doesn't end up well for them. You don't want that. It's it's not desirable. But this is not something that is is meant to to scare you as much as it's something that's meant to confirm in you that you are who you say that you See, if we say that we follow Jesus, but we don't serve in the way that Jesus serves, then we're not really followers of Jesus. We're we're fans of Jesus. We like to watch Jesus on TV from our couch. We like to come and sit in the seats and watch Jesus play, but we're not on Jesus' team. See, the fruit of our Christianity is in our service to others. And it doesn't need to be some extravagant and lavish thing like Mother Teresa or Princess Diana. Really, a servant's heart and servanthood is something that we embody every day in the small decisions that we make day in and day out. Like like do you tip your server twenty percent even if the service stinks? Do you let people out into traffic when it's safe? Do you ever just buy that homeless person in front of 7-Eleven a cup of coffee or a breakfast sandwich? Do you do things to let your family, your friends, your neighbors know that you see them, that you love them, that you appreciate them? Of course, there are bigger and greater needs in our community. There was gang violence like one mile from this spot on Monday night. Where are you being called to make a difference in Fort Pierce? You now, one of the great ways is that you can come out and you can find out how the Multicultural Resource Center could use you and your gifts tomorrow at 1 p.m. You could sign up for Project Love Impact, which is coming up in a few weeks, and go out and, and meet uh, other organizations and serve them. You can just You know, love your neighbors in practical ways. Listen to the still, small voice in the back of your head when you see someone in need. But the thing that you need to remember is when you do all of this good in the world that I know you already do and will do some more of is that it's not about you. That it's about God, and it's about God's people. See, Jesus said elsewhere that when you give, don't let your right hand know what the left is doing or something like that right what he's saying is don't do it to brag don't do it to seek recognition do it because you're serving your god a number of years ago uh, I I lost a a good friend of mine whose name was Maurice Uh, but everyone everyone just called him butch and, and Butch, uh, he died of cancer, a cancer that came to him because he lived a, a really, really tough life. And, and Butch was a tough guy. Like, he was a biker. He was an ex-army ranger. He was an electrician. He was just uh, an all-around, rough-around-the-edges guy. Honestly, I was kind of scared of him when we first met uh, for, for quite a while. But we got really close uh, over the years and you know, I would go to visit him in the hospital and then um, at the end of his life I would go and, and visit him at his home when he was on hospice. And, and we'd sit there and he'd cuss and he'd complain about Democrats and Navy SEALs and, and just be who he always was on the outside right up until the day that he passed. But the thing is, that that was just the outside. What most people never got to really experience was what was going on on the inside, the other part of who Butch was. Because Butch was a guy who would hear someone share that they were struggling to make ends meet. And he'd slip a healthy wad of cash in their jacket pocket when they weren't looking. He'd anonymously show up and leave groceries on the doorsteps of single parents whom he knew were struggling. He would drive anywhere at any time to help anyone who was in any kind of jam, even if they had brought it upon themselves. Like I said, he was an electrician and he would hire guys right out of jail, right out of drug treatments right off the streets to come and work for him, and he would get burned all the time. And he'd still go and do it again. And he'd never talk about any of this stuff. Like, I only found out about it because other people told me they saw it happen. You know, at the at the end, we, we'd talk, and, and he'd say, Pastor, like, I, I believe in, in God. I, I believe in in Jesus. I I believe in the Bible and and, you know I know that that Jesus died for me and and I'm just afraid that I haven't done enough. That I haven't been good enough. I'd say to him, Well you certainly haven't been good enough. We all know that. But Jesus has done enough for you. And you've done what you could. I'd say to him, everything that I've learned has shown me that Jesus is working in and through you. You see, the spiritual discipline of service is the means by which we recognize the the deep price that Jesus paid serving us. And it's how we show ourselves and the world that, that we have pledged our undying allegiance to that reality. We are people who are, are by nature always seeking a good deal, right? But let me tell you that, that grace is not cheap. What Christ did on the cross is not cheap. But when we live our lives without serving the world around us, then we really devalue what Jesus did. We really devalue the cost of our salvation. Our salvation is meant to be a driving force behind our love for the world. It's it's meant to to be a love that is tangible to those around us. It's meant to be a love that, that leaves a lasting impression and mark. It's meant to be a love that changes our world. You know, I do enough funerals to know that people only remember how you served and loved the world once you're gone. And so, this year, I'm inviting you to, to pray about where God wants you to serve. And pray that God will open your eyes to see where Jesus is leading you to reach out and to serve the world around you. I'm telling you, you won't have to look that hard. You just have to open your eyes because need is is all around us the problem of evil the problem of this world we stare at it face to face every single day i see it every day when i drive to work and so the question is how are you going to be a part of god's solution to that problem God, we thank you for all that you are and the fact that you came here from from heaven to earth. That you moved heaven and earth to show us what it looks like to be servants. What it looks like for us to make this world the, the place that you have desired it to be, the place that you created it to be, and the place that it ultimately will be at your return. So we just ask that as individuals and as a church that you would open our hearts, open our eyes, and open our minds to to live in a way that shows people that you are the king, that you are on the throne. Teach Teach us how to live in a way that when you return, people will recognize you through the way that we interacted with them. The way that we love them, the way that we showed them grace and the way that we lived as if grace was the most expensive thing we've ever received. We thank you for that cross and we thank you that you have called us to join in in this new life that you've made possible for us. We love you, and it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.